The Canadian Football Perspective podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fox 40. Let them help you be heard with the Fox 40 Sonic Blast CMG with 120 decibels of sound power. The Sonic Blast can be heard over even the loudest of crowds. You can shop now at fox40shop.com. And don't forget, use the promo code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off. Welcome everyone to the Canadian Football Perspective Podcast, the A Block right here on a Monday for you. And of course, welcome to week one of the CFL season. Doesn't that feel very nice to say? Today, a very special guest for you that works in and around the CFL and TSN and has for about five years now. An interesting guy with a lot to tell. But first, I want to remind you that, of course, you can get yourself some fantastic Ontario craft beer to get yourself ready for kickoff coming up on Thursday night between the Bombers and the Ticats. Just go to sawdustcitybeer.com and shop their wide variety of brews to learn more and use that promo code, of course, CFL during checkout to receive free shipping on your first order over $100. Team up with a couple of neighbors, get yourself some great beer and enjoy some great football coming up this week. When you do watch great football with the CFL on TSN, it's the people behind the scenes that quite often, honestly, make us idiot talking heads that have microphones sound a hell of a lot smarter than we actually are. And I think someone that has done a great job of that, and I've had a chance to run into him a couple of times around different CFL events, is John Pearlberg. And of course, if you are a CFL fan and you are on social media, specifically Twitter, you would have seen John Pearlberg come out with Inside the Numbers. And I immediately knew this was going to be great because I know from his work on the background of television how thorough John is and making sure that he looks at every single little aspect and tries to pick it apart and find the interesting minutia that will then bring you the fan closer to the game. And so I wanted to get him on the podcast here, but first I had to read the damn thing. 72 pages, it is free, it is online, tsn.ca, TSN Edge. And when I went on there and I started to read through it, I thought, man, This guy needs to have more of an outlet to be able to have his platform that he can explain some of these numbers because some of the frustration I think when you put in the deep research that people like John Pearlberg do is that you don't get to actually talk about it or add context. So I was excited to catch up with him and have an in-depth interview for you here. We dive into the place of analytics on broadcast, the love-hate relationship with trying to track down stats in-game, his favorite moments of tracking statistics in-game, and trust me, it's not a nerdy numbers conversation. John is an interesting guy with a great background and a bright, bright future at TSN and beyond. Thank you to John for joining me, and thank you to you for tuning in. Here he is now, the one and only CFL and TSN stats master, the guru, John Perlberg. You're a crazy person, John Perlberg, uh, because nobody produces inside the numbers what you did for the CFL without just being weird. Uh, And I know this from being somebody who likes the numbers and enjoys being able to add context to them, but the amount of work that went into this thing was stunning. And I love the creativity, the imagination. Tell me the origin story of this, because I know I've heard behind the scenes that you've been doing great work on a lot of this stuff for a long time. But to finally get to put it out, publish it as something that people can consume for the masses must be pretty rewarding. So when did this idea start to come about? Well, thanks for calling me crazy, first of all. (laughs) It's a great intro. Um, It's been like a lifelong project, pretty much, as crazy as that sounds. Like from, you know, as long as long back as I can remember when I was five or six years old, love sports. I think I did that. mentioned that in the write up. Yep. 
And I pretty much grew up watching sports, playing sports of all kinds, and then also had the preview magazines and the almanacs and the guides. So after the games were over, I'd just be looking at the numbers, what happened in the game, who are these people? Um, and so that just kind of set a spark. Like early on, I didn't really know, but that got me interested in math and numbers. And eventually, like, you know, coming full circle, like I've had this idea in the back of my mind for many, many years. I started with TSN in 2011. And I've always had this idea that there was a bit of a void there. Like Steve Daniels done a phenomenal job with the CFL guide and record book, all the historical facts there, incredible stuff. And I felt like there's always a missing piece, you know, like with um, just like a yearly kind of guide of like, like just to give fans something cool to look at and some interesting numbers. So I, I grew up on all those magazines and I think I always had it in the back of my mind to kind of one day do it. And with the CFL not having something like that, that's kind of how it came about. And then with the pandemic, I didn't have much to do. So I, I was like, I think I have some time to really like put this thing out there and like, you know, uh, make it as like as, as I envisioned, which turned out to be like 72 pages. So at least I had the time to do it, you know. Uh, I admire the fact that you actually got it done during the pandemic, though, because the amount of things as of March 2020 that I wrote down of, man, I have so much time. I am going to watch every Grey Cup. I'm going to track every game. I'm going to have every throw from every Grey Cup since 1954 charted and sorted, and I'm going to be able to talk about it at nausea. Grey Cup week, I'm going to be an expert on the longest throw in CFL history, the highest completion rate under 20 yards. Like, I had all these things planned out. Ah, I got some of it done, but then I also had a kid and then other things popped up, like, you know, a radio station shutting down. So I was like, um, yeah, didn't get as much done as I wanted to throughout the entirety of, of the pandemic before we got back to game action here. And I think a lot of people are like that. But when did you start to realize that what you were putting together was something that people would really start to enjoy? Like when you were starting to get, whether it was feedback or you started to collect enough statistics on certain things where you're piecing together, you know, the BC Lions part of the guidebook and you're thinking to yourself like, damn, this is this actually is coming together. I like this. Yeah, there was like a million different variations of it. But I guess like for the past three or four years, um, I distributed like internally, like amongst, mm -hmm. I think you got it, like amongst the TSN people for CFO stats every week, like five or six pages. So it kind of like grew from there, I guess. So like I had that a bit of a platform to get everybody some extra like insight, insight into the numbers week to week. And it just grew from there, from that idea, kind of some artistic uh, side of it but then you know the important part being like the numbers themselves and I mean in terms of putting it together it was just piece by piece like I think of like oh, I should have one of those cool schedules on the side of uh, like that all preview magazines have and then I was like okay I got to do it for nine teams now I got to come up with another page that on the other side of the magazine for all the nine teams um, but I, I actually did have it ready to go for last season for if there was a 2020 I should say there wasn't a season but it was pretty much ready to go then from when the pandemic hit in March and then the season got punted back a little bit, like I was ready to go for like Labor Day from last year. So um, I was able to like keep adding a little more to it, like obviously with all this extra time and just refine it, going over the look. Um, one of my good buddies is a graphic designer and he made the cover, it turned out amazing. Like on the first shot, I was like, whoa, like that's, like I had like just this terrible cover that I tried to throw together, but uh, <laughs> That just really brought it to life and uh, just all the pieces kind of they just started to fall in place and then just with a little more time in the lead up to the season you know it was just all i needed and connected with you know tsn and .ca and the, the website people and tsn edge that's going to be blowing up 
uh, and it just fit perfectly like that as well. So yeah, yeah. it's just cool. Yeah, absolutely. The cover does look great. I would also, I'm wondering now that you're talking about kind of like your origin story and how you started to get interested in numbers and math specifically and reading those preview magazines, what was your go-to magazine? Like what was your go-to television show growing up? What were the things that really hooked you on sports and math, that combination that you've fallen in love with? It's a good question. Um, well, I think like Sports Illustrated was always there. I mean, sport like Sports Desk or Sports Center for TSN, like the highlights. Um, just anything I could get my hands on. It's hard to say just one, but I think there's like sporting news, sport, like all these different ones, anything I could grab my hands on, the hockey news, like literally every sport had them. And I mean, it was just so fascinating. Like, and you, you love the numbers too. It's just like being able to, to just evaluate somebody on numbers. And I know it's not all numbers. Yep. So there's, you know, there's the, the eye test, of course, I don't try to get too carried away with the, like I do, but, uh, it is my job with the numbers, but I understand there's another component to it. It's not the be all and end all. So I keep that in mind as well, even as, as I, as I make the, make the numbers. Um, but there's a bigger picture to it, but it's just so many different, uh, different like layers to it and different sources of inspiration for sure. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing of this conversation is for you, somebody who is working on numbers behind the scenes, you have an understanding and appreciation for the fact that there's more than just numbers out there. And I was somebody who grew up on the eye test and grew up on analysis and takes, but I actually started doing some tracking of games and analysis that involved numbers. I am not a numbers guy, John. Like, God, if you talk to a grade 10 math teacher, they're like, that's the dumbest kid in our class. But I fell in love with the numbers side of, studying the game because I, I got really tired of people that were covering the CFL when I first broke in six, seven years ago, just giving takes. And I would just be reading an article and there'd be a sentence that would say, you know, uh, you know, CJ Gable is known as one of the best pass passing protectors in the CFL or uh, Zach Kalaros is uh, one of the most effective passers on the deep ball. And then it would have no context. It would have, there'd be nothing backing it up. And I just, I got so tired of the idea that we were just throwing around these ideas and expecting fans to just absorb them and take them as status quo. And it's like, well, you're not providing anything to back that stuff up. So the Venn diagram of eye yeah. test and numbers, I feel like you and I kind of meet in the middle on this, but from two completely different sides, because we respect the other side, which the conversation, as you know, I'm sure from social media is, especially in the NFL circles, it's like the analytics community and the football community, man, they are oil and water. And it's like, can you guys just appreciate that you're intertwined? Exactly. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. And it's just like kind of bridging the gap. And then like, I would love to learn more about the X and O's of the game. Like I know nothing, right? Like I, about that side of it, I didn't play football, but I would be like, I would love to learn that side of it from the eye test level or knowing what to look out for. But thankfully uh, when I started at TSN in 2011, um, just, you know, I did every game pretty much from um, the studio. Like I started out, like basically I did every game, like 72 or 81 games every year from the studio for five straight years before I got a shot to do live games on the road and do yeah. steps uh, for CFL on the road. And one thing I made sure I did was I talked to the experts there, you know, Matt Dunnigan, Milt Stiegel, those guys, like when analyzing a drop, I wasn't just going to jump into it and, you know, like, you know, it sounds pretty simple to like chart drops for different receivers, but I don't want to hang one on somebody that wasn't justified. Like, I hate to do that. So I basically got their opinions and Jock Climby at the time, like, what, what is a drop? What do you think? As crazy as that sounds like a definition 
of, of some of the numbers that I researched. And uh, they, they had so many great ideas for things. They'd be like, you know, Johnny P, like, what's, what's this? They're like, you know, how many drops do they have? And I'm, I'd be like, okay, I didn't start charting that. But now I'll go back and like, just give you the context. And like, like you mentioned, just having, you know, you, you called like mentioned pass protection or different things like that. But if you have like a number that can kind of make sense um, to explain things further, or, you know, you know, put, put it into you know, a number sense, I think that's, that's what I try to do pretty much. And just have that, like, understand what people like, you know, what the experts are, what they think of a subject and then trying to translate that into numbers. So I know yeah. that's a convoluted explanation, but it's just kind of understanding there's another side to it. And I'm not just going to go, and off on my own and and make my own determinations without a lot of insight and a lot of a lot of feedback so that's what i've tried to bring behind the numbers themselves is just you know that feedback and yeah from the the people around me absolutely and i you know for me i think and i'll ask you this question and filibuster for a second because it's an unfair question i want to give you time to actually answer it is what's the most interesting metric that you have found or something that you've kind of standardized in your research of games where you really kind of you stuck to it and it's because with the first time that you put it out you went i i'm learning something here somebody's learned for me it was that i started assigning production grade from zero to five on all plays whether it be runs or passes and for me that was if it's first down a gain of more than three yards then uh you know it's a it's a three because you're moving forward if it's a first down it's a four if it's a touchdown it's a five if it's an interception whether or a fumble, it's a zero. If you're losing big chunks of yards, it's a one. And if you didn't gain enough yards, it's two. So I would do this for every play. And so I had that charted for all these areas of the field. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I want to figure out where the most productive place to throw the football on the field. It's kind of like Kirk Goldsbury did, right, with the NBA, where he was looking at, okay, the corner three is worth a hell of a lot more than anything else that we're doing here in basketball. And so I started looking at it, and it was pretty eye-opening because we always again the narrative based stuff where we say well you know the cfl is a league that rewards people who push the ball down the field vertically in the passing game you would think that the trevor harris's of the world and now dane evans nick arbuckle some of the newer age guys that have been throwing it underneath a lot in 2019 that they would be the ones who would be most rewarded because the most effective thing has to be the easiest thing right it has to be five yards or under check downs and the, no th those don't move the ball in the cfl the most productive throw I found in the CFL when I went through and looked at all the different zones was the left basically hash right on the left hash yeah. between 10 and 15 yards which when you think about again the tie-in of X's and O's to numbers makes total sense because a quarterback a right-handed quarterback which most if not all are is staring to his right hand side making his initial read and what do we always see flips his head to the backside and throws a 15 yard in route right bang first down move the chains or bang touchdown it's you catch it, you get yards after the catch because he's running through a window where there's linebackers in the zones. It's just, it's that type of throw that you can connect the numbers, the production grade to what you actually see on game day. And when I put that together, I went, I feel like I've actually learned something about the game here that I never would have understood if I hadn't looked at the numbers. Do you have something like that that's jumped out to you in your research? That must have taken some time. I, I respect that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's funny. It's one of those things that you uh, and I'm, I guarantee you know how this is too, John. That you you chart stuff, you go through, you track, you produce statistics for an entire season, mm -hmm. and you don't get that information until you finish the last game of the year, right? But then you go back and you get all, and it's like the payoff of that is going whoa, and your mind just blows. Go, I can't believe that's where the most productive throw in the CFL is. 
Yeah, no, and like I just thought of Trevor Harris when you mentioned that, like the 22 consecutive completions in the, the 2019 East final, or so what am I saying, East semifinal? I guess they were crossing over in Montreal. Yeah. But um, it's not as like in depth. I know you've got the eye test and the grading. I was just, I was looking at the CFL or CF perspective you got and just the grading that you do. And I was very intrigued at how you came up with those numbers. So that's like very fascinated in, in that. And for me, it was, I guess I'm more like I'm kind of on the edge of the analytics where um, like I don't go as in depth, but it's more like I found the, the things that I focus on are the one, the topics that are like easily to translate into the live games, because yeah. now that I do stats on live games, I don't want to get too like I'm, I'm aware of other you know metrics that are out there but I don't want to get too far out there where it's just too hard for the announcers to explain. Yeah. And, and within like a single breath, you know, and to be able to, for the, for the audience to digest it. But anyways, like the things that I focused on are just like drops, um, which I, you know, go over every incompletion over the pandemic. I, I, I went over the 2019 season, like every single game. Um, I had time to do that. So that I added that in, it ended up being one page. And as it turns out, Neyman Roosevelt held the highest, reception percentage so he got cut so i was just like oh man like <laughs> crazy like i thought he'd be a big part of the owls this year but um, sometimes it's just like you know did that metric mean anything like i think you know you had a great year but uh so it's just fun to see those trends or see who the most you know um who has the surest hands i like to call it the gold glove or have something going on with that for receivers but uh you know it's a painstaking process but it's just fun to, to create different metrics and the other one that I love, it's pretty basic, but it's just game-winning drives for quarterbacks. And yes, and your work on this, I think, is revolutionary. So please go in-depth on this for people, because yeah. I think this is really interesting. Thank you. So it's, it's uh, like, I got the idea from NFL, NFL games. Like, you know, I'd see it come up on screen. I'm like, oh, like, I don't think the CFL has that. So I started out by just, like, from the data I had, like, from box scores, was 2010 and on. And so I did that. And then every active quarterback, I was like, okay, I'm just going to get their numbers. Uh, I'm going to go through each of their whole careers uh, in this respect to have something that I can put on screen during a game. Like if they're within, you know, they're down by, if somebody's down by a field goal, Mike Riley's, you know, under the three minute warning, he's driving, like how many game winning drives does he have? And I was like, that'd be awesome if I, you know, put in the work behind the scenes. And then when that moment happens during a live CFL game, I've got that stat, you know, and so basically it just became this crazy obsessive project. I just needed to find like the definitive numbers for the entire history of the CFL. I kept taking it back like another decade, another decade, took it back to 1958, the official start of the CFL. And I was like, Oh, like some of those careers overlap, like Echeverry and like, I got to figure out the final number. Of whole <laughs> career. This is crazy. I don't know. Like my wife's like, what are you doing? That's so good though, man. I love it. Cause I went back and watched a bunch of old great cups, but I wasn't diving through old box scores from 1958 in the regular season. And how far did you get back? Because I know you started that project. Wasn't it like the 54? Yeah, so I went back to 54 because it was the first, uh, I mean, some people say the first televised was 1952, but when the Grey Cup portal went up on CFL.ca, I, I decided to kind of use that film as almost like my game film to work off of, right? And it was, because uh, it was a higher quality of some of the stuff that was available on YouTube. So yeah, charting throws, it's funny when you talk about it being like an obsessive process though, because I started to realize as I was watching the basically the 60s right when i worked my way out of the 50s and into the 60s yeah. how russ jackson and ron lancaster's careers 
the playing style, the downfield aggressive passing attacks, like how revolutionary that was because they were at a time of Jackie Parker and Edmonton and Normie Kwong banging it up inside between the tackles and Johnny Bright and then Hamilton's in there. And it's like, they've got, you know, Filoni and other guys that are just basically yeah. pounding the rock and it, seeing the way that they played the game and how much they changed it. It's like, yeah, no wonder those guys were relatively high up in the fourth quarter comebacks because it's a lot easier to come back when you're slinging the rock all over the place instead of just pounding it between the tackles. That is true. And the other thing, like, I didn't want to just give, um, just have a simple number of game-winning drives, how many, time they, how many times they did it or fourth quarter comebacks. So I have all this information. A lot of it, uh, I released a little bit of it when it made sense throughout the, the kickoff guide. And it was just like how many opportunities they've had to pull this off, like how many fourth quarter comeback opportunities. So like there is the number of how many times they've done it, but I've also got how many, how successful they were in those situations. So over the whole entire history of Canadian football that, that I can trace back to 1945, it seems like it's always been around 30% is the success rate for coming back down by one, one possession, like a one score game in the fourth quarter. So you have a 30% chance of, of overcoming that deficit. And of course I changed through history before the two point convert when touchdowns were at five points. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. So I just had to adjust. I'm like, okay, like I have to figure out, Oh yeah, that's when they changed. They gave uh, the touchdown an extra point there. So I got to figure that out, but uh, managed to trace it back to 45, like right after world war two, I did try to go further than that, but I couldn't tell who the quarterback was. They had like different guys, like from the <laughs> articles, it was like, I think they interchanged every play. Like it was impossible to tell. So I was like, okay, I think I've gone far enough. I can't go further than 45, the 1945. So I think I'm good. I think that's, you know, fairly modern football. Uh, but no, I put everything together with, like I bought a subscription to newspapers.com and I literally went through each schedule year by year. And then which dates were these games? And I went to the newspaper the day after, of course, through like the leader post, like the local papers to get like the article on the full game, figure out what happened in each game and looked at the box score and the, like the game story to put together that history. So I literally did that for every single game in CFO history, going back to 1945. You were reverse. During the pandemic, you reverse engineered the entire CFL. Yeah. Guess so, but yeah, I am crazy. So to come back to the the initial intro, yeah, that's I think that's confirmed right now. Um, but I was just like, I just wanted to have it ready, and we had so much time before we're getting back on the field here in 2021. So I, I was like, this is insane, but I think I have enough time to kind of pull this off, and then have the full history, you know, ready to go. And then it's just so much easier to add on after that, right? Like once you yeah. have the, the the background, so. Yeah, so that's a <laughs> that's amazing. It is amazing, man. And you again, you were saying, oh, I don't go that in depth with all of my work. You know, I don't track quarterback throws. Listen, man, what I do isn't special. I I, I got an X and a Y plot, and I go. He threw it thirteen yards downfield, twelve yards from the left sideline. Dot. I, I just love put the charts. The charts. Good. <laughs> I was think like, I actually thought about like asking you about maybe bringing some of those charts in. Yeah. The, the preview, and I was you know didn't want to bug it, but no, no, I love no. The charting of it, and I'm just. Like very like cool stuff. I think you did do one of like Trevor Harris in the East semi, eh? Like Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones is that. And the other is the 2018 East final when Masoli threw those three interceptions in Ottawa. And it was Harris's last uh, game in Ottawa. Obviously, he went on to play in the Great Cup, but his last home game in Ottawa there in the East final. And it's like those charts are almost the exact same. Like in the last 
in the last two playoff years that we've played in the CFL, his combined performance, he had like six touchdowns in that game in the 2018 East final. Right. And he, he, he completed like 88% of his passes or something stupid. He was 93% in the East semifinal. So you put those together, obviously ignoring the East final against Hamilton in 2019. And you're looking at somebody who has a two game combined of nine touchdowns, zero interceptions and a 90% completion grade. And you're like, how is this guy not gone over the top and been able to, to win uh, essentially a great cap as the starting quarterback. And it leads me to my next question, which is going into this season, trying to figure out the same way that you are, like who is the safest bet? Who is the, the most volatile team? I'm interested in your takes on that because for me, Edmonton's win total being listed at five, five and a half, whatever it was by various places is ridiculous. Like I got asked on Edmonton radio when I was there earlier today, they said, do you think that Edmonton's going to sneak up on some people based on that win total that is expected? And I said, well, if you don't know what you're watching, then sure, it can surprise you. But if you ever watched Ottawa when it was Northorp's defense with Jamie Elizondo running the offense with Trevor Harris, with Greg Ellingson, I'm like, then you should expect more than five and a half wins because if we're doing like a baseball wins above replacement type stat, Elizondo, Harris, and Ellingson are worth five wins a year. I would have to think they can they can run it up with anybody. Uh, and I'm just wondering who you think is the safest bet in the CFL that you feel like you know what they're going to be, and who's the most volatile where you just aren't sure at this point going into a season it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I think like I like Trevor Harris. Um, if he can stay healthy, he missed five games in 2019, but. I mean, with Darrell Walker returning and the connection he has with Ellingson, of course, like I just think they're so dangerous. Uh, James Wilder Jr. in the mix. Um, he had a, you know, he had a rough 2019 campaign, but I think he's a good fit there. Um, yeah, like since like Harris and Ellingson have been teammates, I got that in the in the guide. Like they're the number one combo. Yep. So I mean, he's got that security blanket, and I think it's just a matter of staying healthy. So, I mean, I think there was another prop bet of, of Trevor Harris leading the league in passing yards, which I think is a great possibility. And I, I didn't get in on that action. And same with the 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 Elks uh, winning five games or like going over five games was a good bet. Um, but yeah, I think I think the sure bet is the the Elks going over <laughs> over five wins. But um, I think their their offense is something to be reckoned with for sure this year. Yeah, and then who would be the team that you think is volatile? Where you look at them, and you're like, man, they could finish with six wins and they could finish with 10. I mean, a, a wide variation, a wide swath as you look at them. Yeah. I think it's, it's gotta be the Argos mm, just yeah. with um, one of the toughest things I had to do with the magazine was seeing where everybody's going, like the acquisitions, the departures of like essentially two off seasons packed into like one giant off season. So just, um, just the amount of turnover, like almost like the whole entire team is, is different. So that could go extremely well or it, you know, it might not mesh. So I would say it would have to be the Argos. I mean, they could be, you know, they could be contenders or they could be, you know, not make the playoffs. I think there's just so much, they're just the biggest unknown, I think, in my mind. Uh, it has to be the Argos this year. And the interesting thing about Toronto that I find right now, John, is I don't know when we'll know the answer to that because yeah. they could come out and week one, go into Calgary and beat Calgary. And then week two, they could go into Winnipeg and beat Winnipeg. I, and it doesn't tell me anything, right? But at the same time, because you're going 14 games over 16 weeks, if they get through a quarter of the season and they're three and one or something like that, do we have to start taking them very seriously as a contender? Well, at that point, they still haven't played any of their four games against Hamilton, who's the team they have to go through in order to win the East. So 
Like, I really don't know at what point we can stamp the approval of the Argos are good there. You may continue on in the CFL season. Uh, and that's, I think, going to be an ongoing storyline because, yeah, that that range of variability for their success is so wide. And it's also going to change depending on who the quarterback is, which we found out from Ryan Dinwiddie. They're just not going to announce until the depth chart comes out before Calgary. So we don't really know what they're going to look like or how they're going to apply the, the pieces they have in place until we actually get to week one. No, for sure. Like, I was just thinking about that when you mentioned it, like Arbuckle or, or Macbeth, like, you know, with Arbuckle being banged up, it's like, it just, you know, can take a completely different direction. So we won't know till opening night. And then it's gonna be hard to say. I mean, you might be deep into like, uh, you might be in a November before we really know who the Argos are, I think. So. <laughs> it's crazy because we'll you usually we're talking about late in November being playoff oh, no. runs. and But now we're, I agree with you. I think it's going to be at least until Halloween that we're going to, be able to say okay that team has a true identity and maybe the defense the front seven becomes their identity and that's all they need and that keeps them in games but yeah the amount of of work that's going to go into crafting their their personality I found it interesting that Dinwiddie early on in training camp said the biggest challenge was taking all of those guys and putting them into the room and creating a culture and identity because when you bring a bunch of people in from different places, yeah. that can be that can be tough to organically uh, create. Let, let people know your your process for game day uh, because when you talk about doing live stats on location during the CFL season, I think everybody knows that you guys are in and around the booth and that you're working. I just don't think people know what you do. And selfishly, this is kind of a question for me because I'm working with you in week number four, and I'd like to know. How do, how do you do what you do and what do I need to expect? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Like we, <laughs> It's like, it's all like all the stuff I've been talking about, like um, just all the research that goes into it. And then I kind of leave it to, you know, the week, uh, have a couple of games a week. So on the Monday, you know, I'll start analyzing the games that I have. So week one, I know I've got BC at Saskatchewan on Friday and then Ottawa at Edmonton on Saturday. So I'll just you know, what, all this stuff that I have and all the stuff that's in that guide, I'm like, what is, what makes sense right now? You know, what, what are the storylines right now? So I just try to like, of course it's Trevor Harris against Ottawa. So Ellingson we played with. So there's, there's an easy kind of storyline. So it's just finding the storylines and then having numbers to back them up. Right. So essentially that's what I try to do. Be completely unbiased. I guess I'm wearing, um, Tony Gabriel Jersey, but I'll usually try to come up with about five graphics, five really good graphics on each team. And based on storylines, like if somebody's close to a milestone, like, you know, um, just try to come up with like, you know, an equal share for each team. And then basically, so I'll go to a stadium, like we usually start six hours before the game in the TV truck and I'll bring all this information with me and I'll try to pair it, have it pared down by that point, by game day, six hours before to those 10 ideas. And I work with a graphics guy. So we'll build those graphics from the ideas I have. And of course, some, you know, if you're, you're doing the game, like some input from you, if you send me a note, like, Hey, I'm really interested in, you know, this, like even, you know, the past distribution or something, if we can represent it like graphically, like something that's important to you, the announcers, um, try to work all those things in, come up with the best 10 ideas uh, to keep it down, or even it could be even more, but I usually like to keep it where I can be sharp. And during the game, if something happens that relates to those topics, I can be like, okay, we got that. And, uh, you know, present it during the live game. So 
Um, every game plays out like a story. So hopefully like, you know, out of those ideas that I've come up with, you know, some of them will hit, some of them might not happen at all. Right. It might be like, Oh my God, like, you know, Andrew Harris is just killing it. Like, you know, he's amazing against Hamilton and like this and that. And then he just has a bad game. Like it right. just goes in a completely different direction. So all of a sudden you scrap like half of your ideas from, from what happens in the game. And that's okay. Cause you usually like some of them do work out and don't try to force things. Like I let the game um, come to me in terms of the stats and the graphics. So usually, you know, like it's, you get more comfortable. The more I, I've done this, the more comfortable I get in game and the sharper I am, the second something happens in a game, I know like, okay, that's his 50th catch or he's passed this guy in writer's history or whatever it may be. I've got all those notes with me so that when we're doing the game together in Ottawa uh, in week four, like I'll have that. I usually use post-it notes. So like I'll, I'm up in the booth. Uh, I'm rambling on now. So I, we start in the TV truck. to build Oh, I rambling. like this. I like this. <laughs> and then um, so about an hour, an hour before the game, I'll go up to the booth. And we will preview all the graphics. So we'll show you everything that we have and anything you notice it's wrong or we have a chance to correct things or, you know, like more sets of eyes on things. So we'll go through all the graphics and then see, so you, you know, what we have in the arsenal for the game and basically, you know, so we're on the same page. And then as things happen in the game, it'll probably click into your head for like, Oh, like, you know, this just happened or, you know, some of the key things to look out of, for milestones so you know the second somebody gets a touchdown that breaks a record or whatever happens it's like we, we got that ready to go we pre-made yeah. it and we're just it's just anticipating what might happen in the game and then yeah it's up to me to kind of pull the trigger talking to the producer of the show um and the graphics guy to coordinate getting that on screen and then you know giving you a heads up that it's coming too so that you can comment on it and hopefully we get a little break in play where we can throw that graphic up. So yeah, yeah kind of it's... like the liaison between the producer and the play-by-play -play color commentary to kind of provide like um, just that background info and then the visual, uh, the visuals of it as well. It's a, it's a hell of a process. I do laugh too when you talk about like building something out and planning on having something ready to go and usable. And then the storyline completely goes the other direction on you because there's been so many times where I've sent out, you know, man, Zach Kalaros on first down. I mean, he, he's refusing to throw the ball deep. All he wants to do is check it down underneath and play the Andrew Harris game and the little crossers game. Yeah. And I'm like, that's all he's doing. And then, of course, you know, Western final first down takes a shot down the left rail to Darvin Adams or something like that. And I always love when people go, ha, wrong. And I go, no, man, that's sports. Like, that's why I like doing this, because I like being wrong, as I'm sure you do once in a while, because, yeah, it's fun to be right. But being wrong means that we're learning and that other people are also going off of script or off of schedule of the things that we're expecting, which if everything was super predictable, sports would suck. Like if we're going into week one right now with Toronto, Calgary and Edmonton, Ottawa, Hamilton, Winnipeg, and we're like, okay, Hamilton's going to win because they're going to do this offensively and get this many yards and score that many points. Boom. Nobody would tune in. No, for sure. For like sure. That, that's I mean, what makes that, it great. The unpredictability is the best, like best part about sports. Um, and doing the live games, like I've done some some really cool ones, like Deontay Spencer's 496 all-purpose yards. I'm like, oh my god, I just can't be one yard off. Like <laughs> we had like a kickoff return, and it's like, where's the number? You know, we had to get the the graphic on screen. I'm like, okay, like you want here to here, like doing that quick math. It's all about quick math and uh, just being right. 
So thankfully, I think we got it when he when he broke the record. Like those are the most exciting times, and you know, kind of nerve wracking. But it's like okay, four nine six, go four. You got four nine six, and uh, so that was cool. Like that's the coolest part of the games that I do. If if a record's broken, and even Trevor Harris with his six touchdown passes in the playoffs, I was on that game. Um, that's just cool, you know, like yeah. when stuff like that happens. And I just need to make sure that I'm ready for that, for that moment, just to present it, you know, it, it's, uh, but it's, it's definitely a rush when something crazy happens, unexpected, you know, you might think that, you know, Trevor Harris will have a decent game and then something just, you know, out of the ordinary happens, but that's sports. Like yeah, you said. his first, uh, you know? his first five interception game of his career or something like that. And you're going, okay, how many, has he ever done this before guys? We need to start going through game records and finding out. So I'm sure that happens on the fly, but yeah, I remember that Deontay Spencer game. Uh, I feel like there should have just been like a telethon graphic at the bottom of the screen throughout. And it would have just bumped up every five seconds. Every time he touched the ball, it would have, we're closer to our goal kind of thing, because that was, that was crazy to see him doing that in real time. Wasn't it? For sure. And we, we should probably get something like that uh, ready. I think we got a couple of days. If you know, if a record's being broken, <laughs> like a little tally on the bottom of the screen, but uh, no, I mean, that's what makes the game special. And uh like, I'm just so pumped to have the have the league back as we all are. You know, mm. it's been such a just like missed it so much last year. Like it was just a huge void in my life. So I guess I filled it with this, you know, the preview magazine and to kind of like just get, you know, kind of reset and, uh, you know, to 2021 and beyond. It's going to be awesome. I think I'm, I can't wait for the season to get started. I'm glad that you use the word void because that's the one that I've been using as well as I've been kind of leading up to the season is you really, I think we all have a chance to reflect on what the last 18 months has been. And the, the void term is the one that keeps coming up where there's just like this emptiness of the things that you're used to just not being there the way that you expect them to be there. And we're very fortunate right now that we're getting back into having some of that, uh, you know, people use the term normalcy. It's not normal. It's not going to be normal for a while, but getting the things that we are used to having and, and alleviating that void, I think is, is the thing that will be celebrated, especially uh, in the early season here. I know you're going to be doing stuff, as you mentioned uh, on TSN.ca, TSN edge throughout the year, let people know where they can find your social media, all that stuff, John, so that they can keep up with you throughout the year. Cause I know your following on Twitter must've gone through the roof when you finally released this damn inside the numbers. Yes. No, it's, been, <laughs> it's been going up and thanks again for having me on here too to push the uh, the guide a little bit more but yeah you can find it pretty pretty easily it's on tsn.ca uh click on like the cfl section or edge section which is the the uh wagering side of things with uh, tsn edge and uh right now so go there it should be i think right now on uh cf the cfl section it's right at the top you can't miss it there's uh, the 2021 cfl season kickoff guide click on the link at the bottom of my story there is uh, you can download it for free. That's the best part about it. The whole 72-page preview guide is free. So just tsn.ca, CFL section, click on the link of the story, and you can find it there. If so. you are a, a CFL fan and you are getting ready for kickoff, listening to this on Monday of week number one in the CFL, follow those directions, download it, peruse it. You will enjoy it. We'll get you excited for the CFL season. John, great work on that, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you in person and working a game together soon. All right. Can't wait. I appreciate it, Marsh. Thanks. John Pearlberg, in his own words, not just the numbers. An interesting guy. I think you will agree. And I love the anecdote that he had there about the place of analytics in the broadcast and wanting to fit it in in a way that it actually makes sense. That is such a skill. 
to be able to take a vast amount of information that you study for hours throughout the week, you think it's incredibly interesting, and then you have to bite the bullet a little bit on the ego of, let me show people how much I understand, to make it consumable on television with a graphic in five seconds or less, in a way that every man, woman, and child will actually know what the hell you're talking about. It's a great skill, and uh, John is a man of many skills, as I think you will agree after listening to that conversation. Thank you, as always, to the people that support this podcast, our good friends at Fox 40. Help them get you back in the game. Visit fox40shop.com and shop coaching boards, gear, and more. Use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your order. And, of course, our good friends at Sawdust City Brewing. Get your beer, sawdustcitybeer.com. Use the promo code CFL. Get free shipping. It's about 15 bucks off when you order your first of 100 bucks or more available to Ontario residents only and must be of legal drinking age. The hype is here. Week one is here. Let's get ready, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the A Block on Canadian Football Perspective. Man wearing the Tony Gabriel 77, what is your best Tony Gabriel story? Yeah, so... It was uh, July 2014, and I'd been on two dates with this, this beautiful girl. And, you know, I just I needed to impress her with the third date. I had to step up my game. So I, you know, I was trying to be a big shot, and I'd started working at TSN, been there for a couple of years. And I knew my buddy, uh, Paul Hemming, nicknamed Chopper. He was a, a former CFL and TSN director, now doing big things with the Carolina Hurricanes. He managed to hook me up with two tickets for the red blacks home first ever home opener right so i'm like i'll take this this girl here it'll be amazing and the night turned out perfect like 25 degrees july nation's capital um we had great tickets like not too close not too far like close close to the 55 yard line on the aisle so easy to grab some drinks easy in and out um the night turned out amazing like the red blacks win their first game ever 18 17 you know traditional like nine rouges, three field goals, kind of grinding it out <laughs> over uh, Ricky Ray's Argos. So anyways, like they went 18-17, everything, like such a jovial atmosphere. Great to have football back in the nation's capital, my hometown. And uh, I'm wearing this jersey. I'm wearing the Tony Gabriel jersey, like to represent. And so upon exiting the stadium with my wife, I'm like, okay, we got to go buy the TSN truck. Thank Chopper for the tickets. Such a good night. So we're making our way out, go, go to the back of, of uh, TD place and, you know, knock on the door. Uh, Chopper comes out, thank him for the tickets. Like, Hey, this is Megan. And actually she's now my wife. Yep. So this turned out to be a great third date. And, you know, thanks again for the tickets. He's like, no worries. Hope you had a great time. I'm like, of course, like, how could we not? It was amazing. And uh, so after that, see our goodbyes there, start to make our way into that square. And there's just tons of people. And I hear, uh, where's Tony Gabriel? Where's Tony Gabriel? Somebody's yelling at me. I'm like, who is yelling at me? Like, what is going on? Like, I realize, like, I'm you know, wearing the jersey and everything. And I, I turn around and it's Tony Gabriel. And I am just, like, floored. Like, I'm frozen. Like, I can't even get a word out. And, you know, Megan's, like, right beside me. And I'm like, and then, like, you know, he's just smooth like glides past me into the night like amongst the crowd of like everybody leaving the game and so so pumped up with with Ottawa being back and um you know my wife's like who was that and I'm like that that's the guy like the, the jersey I'm wearing right now like that that was him and I'm like that that was Tony Gabriel and uh she's like well like why don't you get a picture and I'm like 
I don't know. Like, I wish I did. I was just, you know, <laughs> so excited. Like, I didn't even think of it. Like, I can't believe it, you know? Like, so um, on top of that, just like an amazing night and, you know, something I'll never forget. I don't have the picture, but uh, at least that's got- okay. Well, have you, you have to recreate the picture next time you get a chance to be in Ottawa and see Tony Gabriel. So it doesn't even matter if you're wearing the jersey. You just need to make up for it. No. I think so. Yeah. Like that's gotta happen. It's gotta happen someday. So we'll see. Maybe we can make it happen, come full circle, but uh, no, one of my, one of my favorite uh, CFL memories for sure.